Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today through our podcast, our midweek sermon discussion that we try to do each week. We recap the sermon, talk about it as pastors, and so we're looking forward to doing that again uh, today as we're in our series on worship. We've been focusing on worship now for four weeks. This was the, yeah, I think so, fourth sermon. Yeah. Is that the fourth one? Yep. Yeah, the fourth one uh, in the series. Uh, this one, was, the focus was on uh, what we call, what what we call it? There was general worship and then specific worship. But we said there was kind of like a middle ground, if you remember, in the first message. And this middle ground is where private worship and family worship kind of existed because it is still worshipful in the fact that the Bible does speak about uh, us worshiping privately, even with our whole life, right? But we, we see the truths of needing to read the Word of God and spend time in prayer, some very specific focused things. Uh, but then also we see the commands, as we'll talk about uh, today on this, uh, family-wise, of teach these things to your children, train them, right? And so there's this aspect, it seems, within the family of of a specific kind of form of worship that should be taking place within your family on a regular on a regular basis, and so we wanted to devote a sermon to these to these things of private worship and family worship. Pastor Spencer is the one who preached uh, this week. His text, well, would you say your text was out of Joshua? Yeah, yeah. You jumped around some. You went to other passages. Yeah, I mean, you pulled stuff in. Yeah, yeah. But Joshua twenty four. Uh, where'd you start? Verse fourteen. No, you started, started at verse one. One, yeah, but you read all the way to. I read all the way 18? to about verse uh, twenty-four. You kept. Going I read on. all the way to verse twenty-four. I 24. didn't preach all the way to verse twenty-four. Right, right, but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but would would you agree that the main focus was probably verse fifteen? Yeah, fourteen and fifteen. Fourteen yeah. and fifteen, uh, and. When thinking about family worship and private worship, Joshua kind of encapsulates the two, right, early on in Scripture, and he has a statement there where he's kind of telling the people, you guys can choose who you want to serve, but he says, but as for me, private worship, and my house, family worship, we will choose to serve the Lord. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where you jumped off from. That's where you stayed uh, for for the message. And so... I'll let you speak to that a little bit and ask us questions and, and lead us because you're going to oh, lead Oh, I'm us. leading this? Well, I don't have your sermon notes. I don't either. Why not? Who would have them? I don't, I don't have Who, my sermon notes. <laughs> hey, was that my job? <laughs> I saw this coming. <laughs> I saw this coming. <laughs> <laughs> you're just sitting back and watching, yeah. watching it. I, mean, I didn't know I was supposed to lead this. Remember, remember that's not my job. This uh, is your job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, you want me hey, to look get it? some coffee? No, no yeah. So uh, I, got some, I am drinking my coffee. <laughs> no, well, yeah. So one of the cool things about Joshua chapter twenty-four, if and I didn't mention this, but if you study it and you notice, it's arranged in um, and it has the components of um, the way it's structured is in an ancient covenant treaty form, which is uh, interesting because they one of the reasons I say that is because. If you were to look at, they have these ancient treaties between a king and his uh, a vassal and his or a suzerain and his uh, vassal, so a lord and the servant, the higher king and the lower one, and the the covenants are structured similarly to this. So, for instance, we have um, uh, they call it a historical prologue, so where the 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 lord will show this is what I've done for you, and we have that in verses two through thirteen. 
Then after that, you have stipulations and sanctions. So you have the stipulations. Now, in light of what I've done, this is how you should respond. You should fear the Lord. And you have that. You also have the sanctions where if you don't serve the Lord, you know, this day you will you basically the curses that will come upon you. Um, and on, and then you have the uh, swearing where the people say they take a vow. Basically, we will serve the Lord and we are witnesses this day. And then lastly, the what would happen with the covenant would be that the covenant document would actually be deposited in a place for everybody, for both witnesses to be able to, to, to sign, seal and deliver this basic, you know, officially seal this. And you see that Joshua writes these things down and uh, and puts them uh, under the terebinth tree. Mm-hmm. So you have the whole process. The whole point of that, though, is that this is a very official thing between God and his people. This is a solemn thing. It reminds me in some ways of what we saw with the royal funeral in some way where the fact is that everything is very serious and it's heightened. And that's what you have in Joshua chapter 24, a reaffirmation of the covenant agreement between God and his people, even in the way in which this passage is structured, um, highlights the fact that this is a very official and yet very um, calling forth all that Israel is to serve the Lord. Um, it's a very powerful uh, image, I think, and mm-hmm. and that's what's going on here. Is the people are 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 responding to God's grace to them, so that they individually and also with their families will be fully devoted uh, to the Lord. Yeah, one of the helpful things I thought that you brought out that we don't often think about is you mentioned that Abraham was serving other gods, mm-hmm. but then you also mentioned how the Israelites growing up in Egypt would have been very aware of other gods and potentially even served other gods. Yeah. You said the calendar, you know, would yeah. have been based around these different things. Yeah. I think a lot of times when we read the Old Testament or when we read the Bible in general, mm-hmm. we almost put on the people, even though we wouldn't say they were perfect, we do still sort of put that yeah. on them. Like all the people in Egypt in in Egypt, they just worshiped Yahweh the whole time. Right, right. Right. They were faithful to him. Everybody knew about him. Yeah, everybody knew about him, all this stuff. Like it was in their Mm -hmm. house, all this in Noah. I mean, it would have been yeah. Like us, I mean, we the impact of peer pressure of outside sources, where they live, they're probably well, we know. There were some Israelites when they left, they're like, Let's go back. Right. (laughs) What are we doing? Well, and they showed their instincts right away in, in Exodus chapter 32 when Moses is on the mountain. Well, let's make a God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. do this. And I think, I mean, I mean, too, like at this point, you said this is near the end of Joshua's life. And yeah. so that first generation of Israelites had actually all died. Yeah. Right? Except for Joshua and Caleb. Except, yeah, Joshua except for and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. So this is actually a whole new group. But what, yeah. what you pointed out that I had never thought about was as they've been going through this land, conquering these peoples, mm-hmm. they're plundering these yeah. places. And there are household gods that yeah. are coming into their possession. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I had not thought about that. Their idolatry is everywhere yeah. except for the camp of Israel. And so there's all, go ahead. There was like a movie or a TV series or something about Jacob mm. in, uh, uh, in the idols in the house. I remember, okay. I remember seeing on TV and, yeah. and, and being, being like, yeah, that, that is true that, that yeah. you know, that that happened. And that, yeah. I wonder how common, that really was, you know, within Israel. Yeah, at the time. I don't know. I do think, um, I think the powerful thing was, uh, you know, for instance, again, going back to Abraham, um, 
it, it, some fascinating things that when you read the Bible, you don't realize you, doing some of the background stuff, like the city of Ur having the, the moon god was their patron deity, and the whole city was aligned to the moon intentionally. And thinking about Abraham or Abram back then with Sarai, because apparently Sarai was the name of, was a name given to one of the moon gods consorts, one of his uh, women friends. And so even the fact that their names were pagan, their, their whole world was full of idolatry. And then they moved to Haran. Haran had the same God as Ur, the moon God. So there's even a connection between the two cities. He moves from Ur, goes to Haran before going to Canaan. So I think that's a helpful thing for us to be reminded that idolatry wasn't simply for, um, for people. It wasn't simply like, yeah, I, I worship over there and I isolate that from the rest of my life. This was their, they thought the land was owned by the God. Um, and this was a very sophisticated city. This wasn't like Abraham was living in the boondocks. Uh, Ur was a sophisticated, important city um, where people thought this is where civilization's at. And similarly for us today, um, we are surrounded in a world of idolatry. It's in the air we breathe and the water we drink. And that was the same thing for Abraham and then for the people in Egypt. Yeah. Um, they were tainted by, by other gods. Their whole lives um, were, were impacted mm. by the false gods around them. And that's where God is trying to show them. I mean, that's actually one of the verses in, in Exodus. He says that what he's doing is bringing judgment on all the gods of Egypt yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. He's showing himself to be the supreme Lord of heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. and, um, and what you did, yeah. something else that you said in your sermon is when Joshua tells them, choose this day whom you will serve, mm. he's not assuming that there's an option to not serve yeah. someone. Yeah. Right? And you brought that back around, and you, you were very helpful in pointing out, like, we don't, gen, genu, generally, we don't have little trinkets mm -hmm. and statues that have been carved and things, but there are, our world today is still full of idolatry. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe, there's not an option. Mm -hmm. uh, you will choose to serve someone. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. made, or something. Me, made me wonder as he was saying that, like just thinking, like, what do we have in our houses today? You know, what is it? Because, like you said, Scott, most people I'm guessing don't have an idol that they teach their kids to bow to in the morning mm -hmm. or something. But you know what? What is it? Because we're not void. We're not void of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just trying to think of it very practically. You know, I was like, what is it in our homes, in our cars, in our lives that we? that we do tend to uh, worship oh. that if we were to get this ultimatum given to us, sir, you know, this day, who are you going to worship? Like maybe, maybe when Joshua says that in the minds of the people there, they're thinking like you were saying, Spencer of the moon God or mm -hmm. of the gods in Egypt or of idols in their house, something very practical. What does our minds go to? You know, when the question is like, go ahead and choose, but you can't do both. Right. You're either going to choose, this, like my mind went to children, honestly. That's what I thought of. Am I going to serve my children as my God, or am I going to serve mm -hmm. God as, as my God? Mm. That, that's what my right. mind went, because I, I see that in so many places yeah. today. I think, I think one of the things that is um, um, today, one of the big gods is the screen god. And uh, mm -hmm. it's ironic because it, it seems to convey life because our screens have artificial voices that can talk to us, to provide entertainment for us, to supposedly connect us with other people. 
They seem to have the, they hold out the potential for very good things, but so often they actually do us, they're used for great harm. And, uh, you know, even, even I was at the park just the other day, the Lutheran park by my house. And there's like this, you know, there's some of these very, uh, there's these kids that have these phones still. And I'm thinking, and I saw, there was one, one, uh, person i don't know if they were a very young teenager or maybe you know even 12 or 11 somewhere in there but they're just swinging and just playing stuff on their phone and i'm not saying like playing stuff on your phone is bad i'm just saying it just made me think about where we're at in our society where we are very enamored with the screen yeah and i just think that that's a date we look at that and say that's not a god but we turn to it all the time all the time. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I we don't have satellite television at home. We have, but the, our TV can be definitely be a uh, a small G God where we look for satisfaction. We look for, mm-hmm. even if it's supposedly in, quote, innocent forms of entertainment, yeah. if I'm turning to that consistently as one means of escape or expression or for comfort or for satisfaction or whatever... I think that's just a danger we have to be aware of. It doesn't mean you have to throw out your television or get rid of your iPhone, yeah. but I just think that's something to be aware of. Yeah. Well, what came to my mind when, when Tim said, like, what in our household can is that God? I mean, the thing that came to my mind was the TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about where it's placed in the home. Yeah. yeah. Think it's about center it's yeah. centered. Prominent. S- seating is normally arranged around the TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The family gathers together around that. And like you said, Spencer, the TV, I mean, it's... It's an inanimate object. Right. It's not evil in and of itself. I mean, I have right. a TV in my house, and my seating in my living room is arranged around the TV. <laughs> right? And so, but, like, some of the things you pointed out of, like, you want to know what an idol is in your life. What are you giving your time to? Mm-hmm. What are yeah. you putting money towards? People, a lot of times, put a lot of money mm-hmm. into subscriptions and yeah. things like this or whatever. But, I mean, it, when you think about it, what the time question yeah. What am I willing to give time to? Mm-hmm. What am I willing to sacrifice time for? Mm-hmm. Or what am I looking forward to? I mean, one of the things um, that I think of is think about how often I am looking forward to watching an episode of a TV show or the next episode in a series mm-hmm. that I've been watching. And I'm looking forward to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is it a nightly pattern or a daily pattern to watch one episode of that? Mm-hmm. And you, but you prioritize that. You you protect yeah. that. You do that. Yeah. Do I do the same thing right. with the other things that you had talked about that how do we keeping God's word on our minds? How are we yeah. meditating? Are we daily protecting that the way we protect yeah. watching our favorite TV show? That's very. Do con- we do the same yeah. thing with our family yeah. worship? That's very yeah. convicting it because is. you know we oftentimes we don't hunger and thirst after righteousness, but I hunger and thirst after entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's it, Paul says that to warns us against covetousness, which is idolatry. Yeah. Yes. So the tenth mm-hmm. commandment leads right away to the first and the second commandment. Mm-hmm. But I think what all this does, at least for me, you know, as you sit here and you ponder this and you think about it, you talk about being convicting. I think you would get to the point to where you would say, then why live at all? Because I can't not worship then, <coughs> right? Because what you guys are saying is what it makes it sound like. I know you guys are, are given the caveat of it's not sinful to have the TV, but then we go on to say how sinful the TV is. And I can't avoid that. Like, I can't avoid, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to the next game. You're telling me that's sinful. You're telling me that's wrong. That's bad. Now I'm worshiping this. And it's like, it's like a lot of the Christian life. Number one, what it should point us to is the finished work of Christ in our life of, yeah, that's how sinful you are. Like we are just full of it. Mm -hmm. We can't get it, which points again to our fact of, I can't, 
reach salvation on my own. Mm -hmm. There's no way. But thankfully, Christ has done that for Mm -hmm. me right? Mm-hmm. He has accomplished that task for me. And so it draws me to the cross more as we have this conversation mm-hmm. of trusting in him. But it also reminds me of what we've, we've talked about this quite a few times in this, uh, in this recap that we've been, that we've done over the, I don't know, year, an hour, two years, or whatever. But that, that difficult line, it can be for us to walk as Christians of being in the world, but not of mm-hmm. the world. That's why we give the caveat of, we're not saying it's simple to have the TV because it's not, mm-hmm. but we do have to walk this line of always asking in our heart is like, am I starting to be fed by this more than I am what I should be feeding off of the word of God or who he is? Am I finding more satisfaction now in vacation instead of in who God is? You know, am I, am I, am I taking advantage of my wife that I'm finding satisfaction in things about her that that shouldn't be my focus about her. It should be what God tells me to focus about her or my or my children, or whatever it may be, it it is difficult. I think as a Christian, we do walk these lines. I think one of the things we talked about before was like realizing Christ has took away our shame and our guilt, but also feeling guilty for the sins that we commit during the day, and we want to repent of those sins. Like, how do we walk this line of being free from guilt, yeah, but also living within that guilt? And I think this kind of falls in that too yeah, of understanding. Yeah. There's every uh, money, idol, fame. Right, all this stuff we we know this. These are idols that Christians struggle with, and again, I think when we think about it, it's like we would all have to say it is actually sinful for me. I can't deny that, mm-hmm. um, but I also don't want to go around saying, "So let's get rid of everything, mm-hmm. get rid of your clothes, get rid of your house, get rid of your car," because let, let's not let ourselves be set up for any idols. But now we have a new idol. Right. Mm -hmm. When we do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I think something that Spencer did that was so helpful is really tease out just how ingrained into their daily life their idolatry was. Mm -hmm. Like it was such a part of their life. It wasn't just this thing over here that they did one day a week. It was part of their personal life, their family life to the point where what you're bringing out, Tim, is that I actually think, yeah, we probably should consider like how how much idolatry. Are we just used to because it is just part of our life? Yeah. That's a real thing to ask, you know, mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, and and something to consider is that, you know, it, there might need to be a lot that needs to get changed because there's a lot that needs to get changed yeah, at some times. Because, again, to be very, you know, real practical, and I think, I think the sermon, Spencer didn't go this route, but the private family thing, it could have been a sermon that was almost all practical, like – do this, do that. Spencer didn't go that route. Uh, I think we should, though, in this in this recap, do that some. So don't let me forget that. We'll we'll try to we'll try to get to that. But one of the practical things would be what's something that Scott said. Like, do you want to know if your entertainment has led to sin? How many days a week do you and your family spend reading the Word of God at least for five minutes and praying together? So tabulate that in your head. Okay, now. How how many days a week do you and your family get together to watch a game? Could be your kids' volleyball game. Could be the high school football game. Could be Michigan. Could be Ohio State. Could be whatever, right? Or how often does your family sit down and watch a movie together or a show together? And you make time for that because you guys enjoy it, and it's a fun thing to do. All right, which one are you protecting more? Right, a practical thing. 
that I would guess most of us fall quite short of. Because when I talk to parents, even in my own life, it's so easy for me to say, man, family worship just gets away. You know, the next thing I know, it's nine o'clock at night. We've been running around and we're all tired. And so we just go to bed, right? But there's so many other things that we make sure we make time for, right? We get our kids to practice. We go and see the games. We we buy what they need. We do all these things. And I wake up in the morning when I wake up, for me, not because of coming to work, but to get my kids to school because I think that's important, right? And it's just so practical. And that question that Spencer laid before us there that Joshua asks, like, who are you going to serve? And as Christians who've been saved by God's grace, we've hopefully answered that question. I want to serve the Lord, but I think we also realize in our heart that at times we're not doing that as well as we should in our private worship and in our, and in our, uh, family worship. We let those things escape. Now, we might be good at coming at coming to church on Sunday, which we're going to get to with public worship. Maybe we do a pretty decent job at that. Um, but I think the private and the family side is much more difficult than the public side, at least at least for me in my life. It, it's easy to... I, I mean, I was raised that way, so Sundays is just kind of ingrained in me to go to church together. Now, maybe my attitude is not always what it needs to be when I go mm-hmm. to public worship, but um, right. Well, one of the things that came up to me was was yesterday, and I, I asked Uriah this, because we were talking about, um, uh, this goes to public worship, but it's also part of mm-hmm. the value system that you're going to, I said, what would you do if you could play football in professionally, but you knew that you were going to have to miss church a lot? What would you do? And it made him think. Mm. What do you say? eventually i mean you know i think eventually he was he was he was i don't know what what his final answer was but uh i think it really made him kind of think about things that we for instance today and you know i love football i love those things but i'm thinking would i count i mean really and you think about it would i counsel somebody to give up 20 sundays a year of being with the people of god in order to pursue a career Mm. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not going to say what the answer should be. I'm just saying that I think oftentimes, though, that's not even considered. Yeah, we can't even say what you're asking is far-fetched because where we live, seven days a week is expected from quite a few people right. in that career. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And so yeah. that's a realistic question some people listening to us right now have right. faced. Right. And so I just yeah. think facing that question is, I, I just think one of the things that maybe what we've done is we've said that shouldn't even really be a question. And I just think it is a valid thing to bring up. <laughs> to be fair, when we're, when we're thinking of things as a church staff and like organizing stuff, when it comes to summer, yeah, we push that aside because we say, let's not do much in the summer on those Sundays right. because so many people are going to be gone. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. built into us right. now it's true. To, to not even consider that people will come on Sundays during the summer. Sure. And I just think, though, that that it ties in then to family worship and individual worship, especially with the fourth commandment, where the primary responsibility is placed upon dads, the heads of households, mm-hmm. to lead your families um, to partake of the corporate worship of the mm-hmm. people of God. And that's a, that should be, a, I think, that gets down to the question of service. Choose whom you will serve, because you are serving somebody mm-hmm. with your time, your talents, your energy, your focus, your hopes, yeah. your fears. 
Um, and those things are going to be split up in a number of different ways and all of us fall short. But at the same time, there is a, our goal should not be to, um, half heartedly serve the Lord, Mm -hmm. but should be to fully serve the Lord. And every time we fail, like every day, then we go back to the cross and get forgiveness, but then we try again. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's what Joshua is, is doing. I think here it's full of grace, but it, the grace should actually not, uh, the grace should actually drive us to greater desires to serve Mm -hmm. rather than to say, well, well, therefore I don't have to, uh, serve or choose or put away. Mm -hmm. Um, it actually should motivate us to see the great love yeah. um, he has yeah. for us, I think. And I think something that really stood out to me in exactly what you said, you know, Joshua's resolve. Yeah. As for me and my house, you know, mm-hmm. because he recognized that as God's, you know, it's it's how he's created the order of family yeah. that yeah. the husband, the father is, sets the tone. Right. Like I, you know that in your family. It's like dad sets the tone. Yeah. You know, right. Even though mom might have the structure and the calendar of the day, you know, right. dad sets the tone. And something that Paul David Tripp said that I thought was really good, I thought about this mm. in your sermon from his parenting book, is that your kids know, you know, talking about your, as a parent, as a dad, your kids know what you love. Right. Because what you love is what you value. Mm-hmm. It's the time you put in. Yeah. And if your prayer is just like a little half hearted, you know, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. Yeah, your yeah. kids are going to pick up on that. And I thought that was really good right. that Joshua, he's like, you can, you know, you can do whatever, you know, right? because you can't control what other people do. But as for me and my mm-hmm. house, this is what our resolve is. Right. And I think that's good. Our kids need to see, and people need to see that we're mm-hmm. resolved. We don't, we fail. Yeah. But the sincerity is there. The resolve is there that this is something we're going to do. Let's get back on the horse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try again. Yeah. He gives more grace. Yeah. 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 He gives more so let's take some time then to talk about some like realistic, maybe practical, private and family worship things that we think can be done, maybe that we've done, that we've heard of people doing that we think would be successful. Because again, we said that the general worship of our life is glorifying God in everything we say or do. But the private worship is a more specific thing that we are talking about of you on your own spending time with the Lord in reflecting, meditating, reading, praying, and and having that just just you. So, yes, how you work is that worship, yes, but that's not what we're talking about right now. It's having a private time of worship with the Lord, and then also a time, if, if you have this, uh, of family worship. So some of you are single, and you need to have your private time of worship, but you're not at a stage yet, or maybe you never will be where you're married and have kids, and so that time of just with family doesn't happen. Maybe it can happen in uh, some other ways, though. Uh, But anyways, I want to talk about those two things and just try to maybe help give some thoughts and ideas. And so, Spencer, you said some when it came to private worship yesterday. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to remember all of them, but you did mention reading the word of God. You mentioned prayer, but one thing you got stuck on for a little bit, which I thought was helpful because Whitney does this in his spiritual disciplines book was uh, meditation. Mm -hmm. You really, you really hammered home meditation a little bit. Do you want to speak maybe a little more to that of like, what does that maybe look like for an individual when they're Mm -hmm. trying to have a alone time with God, whether it be five minutes or a half hour, whatever it might be. What, what would meditation look like? look like because i'm not flexible so i can't get my legs crisscrossed <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no i uh 
I, uh, yeah, meditation. I think um, meditation is simply turning something over and over in your mind again. Just thinking about it. Like a chow, a cow chewing a what? A yeah. Cood. A cood. You know what? No, what'd you say? I'm what'd done. you say? I'm <laughs> done. I'm done. <laughs> no. No. I refuse Biden to participate <laughs> in this. Um, what'd you say? I'm not going to meditate on this anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, uh, <laughs> turn it so over. So it's <laughs> like, no, no, no. I refuse. No. Is that cow so, chewing the coop? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you know this is um, why pastors, this is pastors are the be, worst to preach to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bunch of meanies. Um, <laughs> um, so you turn it over and over in your head again. I used an illustration one time about uh, meditation. Where I mean, you're—I'm not a hunter, but you are. But if you're somebody who hunts, you read hunting magazines. You watch hunting videos. You think about hunting whenever you're at work. Yeah. You what you draw when you're driving. To, you're thinking about where I could put my deer stand. You're think you're meditating. All those are you're actually meditating on hunting. Right. Yeah. That's meditation. Mm. Everyone meditates on something. Yeah. And so it's that's what we're trying to do with the Word of God is to intentionally process what it's saying. Yeah. Because the danger can be, we just read it. And mm-hmm. actually, that is a good thing because you can't meditate on something you don't know what it is. Yeah. But the end goal is to read and then to think about what I just read at some level. Um, and that's what God told Joshua to do in Joshua yeah. 1.8, meditate on the word of God day and night. Now, I think what would be helpful, I, I'm not good at this. I do this with sermon prep, but I don't do this very well in private worship. Somebody who I think does is Scott, actually. And from what I've observed from him uh, over the years, but, and this is going to sound weird, I think, to a lot of people, but journaling is a yeah. very helpful thing in yeah. meditation mm-hmm. because it's easy. It can be easy to say, I got to read three chapters today and bang it out, right? Right. Get my three chapters done. And it might even, I might even tell myself, I've done this quite a bit. It's like, oh, I want this verse stuck out to me and I want to think about it today. Yeah. But then things just, come up. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you stop thinking about it, but writing it down is helpful in thinking about it because then probably tomorrow when I go to write something else down, I see what I wrote the day before and I'm like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember that. And then I'm reading the next section and it's kind of connecting to the Mm -hmm. section before. Mm -hmm. And then I find it easier to uh, meditate and think Mm -hmm. as Spencer was saying about what is this book of James saying that I had to read today, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm not talking like a big journal entry, like even a whole page of thoughts and feelings, but just like I was reading this and this question came to my mind, like mm-hmm. that seems mean that mm-hmm. God said that, verse four or whatever, sure. you know, or I'd never noticed that verse before, verse 22, and you kind of write out what it says and what you were yeah. thinking, mm-hmm. you know, or... I just said something about sexual immorality and mm-hmm. really hit me hard today because I've been struggling with that. Right. And you're writing these things down. Mm-hmm. Whitney brought that up in his mm-hmm. book too, on spiritual yeah. disciplines of just how journaling is very helpful. And I've, I found that to be true because in the times that I've devoted myself to journaling through the Psalms, or like I said, in sermon prep, it's what helps trigger my mind mm-hmm. to think and, and meditate on it. I think mm-hmm. it's a very practical, easy thing. It seems so unmanly, you know, when you say this to people, it seems like a waste of time, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, 
But if we're serious about who are you going to serve and we're mm-hmm. serious about our private worship and really want to focus on God, I think those are some valuable tools uh, with mm-hmm. the journal, like we said, and, uh, and with meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you journal. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I, I, I actually, uh, I took a class. Um, it was Richard Foster's book, Spiritual Disciplines, which so is an old book. And that was one of the things. And our teacher, our professor required us to do that. And it really helped. And so I don't do it every day. Probably, I, Yeah, I don't do it every day. But um, I do, it's helpful to me, especially even like my prayers. I'll just journal a couple of thoughts, you know, from the scripture I'm reading. I'll, I'll use like Spurgeon's devotion or whatever. And I'll journal like this really stuck out to me. And then I'll go into a deeper study. It helps me. And I'll do bullet points, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like Dear mm-hmm. Diary, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... One of the the things in class that came up by quite a few people when we were doing a Sunday school class on this is like, why don't you keep a journal? And they were being honest and fair. They said, I'm afraid someone's going to get it Mm. and read it. Mm. There was a true fear uh, in that which I thought was understandable because if you're being honest and just penning things out, you're not doing it like Dear Diary, but just, Mm -hmm. oh, man, yeah, I haven't obeyed my parents that well or whatever. I don't know. As you're going through Scripture, I could see that being a realistic thing. And so I I don't know how you would deal with it other than— Learn uh, a different language and write it in that language. (laughs) There you go. I've I've thought about that before, too, uh, because I I do journal, and I just remind myself, yeah, there's a lot of things in these journals that would be very embarrassing— but one day everything will come to light anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 So another thing too is, is whenever you're journal, like this is, it's not really, it's writing. Right. But like, um, you could just, you know, just, just cause sometimes I, I do this for sermon prep, mm-hmm. but I mean like, I can't just simply look at the text like I have to break it down somewhat. And I mean, just like saying, what are the commands that are explicitly told me here? And just write, you know, I mean, just using a pen and paper somewhat can just help you to, mm-hmm. um, to, to process yeah. what is actually all on the page. Yeah. And that's the main goal yeah. is to help you to be able to process somehow yeah. what's on the page. Yeah. I mean, the, in terms of being practical with this, I mean, and, and kind of, getting away from the journaling for a second. One of the things that you said in your sermon, Spencer, that I thought was so helpful and freeing at the same time, it was practically helpful, but also freeing because you were talking about like that. This isn't, we do this in order to be loved by God. And I think sometimes we can get to a point where we think like that. We got to guard against that. But at the same time, like choosing to serve the Lord is going to mean like that. This is a big deal. Right. Uh, but what you had said is that you asked the question, is it your goal? So, I mean, honestly, the most practical thing I can think of in, when it comes to, like, meditating and having a regular pattern of, per, of private worship and family worship is, have you set a goal? Mm. Have you established a pattern or a routine? And you even said in your sermon that going through rote actions isn't necessarily yeah. a bad thing. Right. And sometimes these things feel like that. Yeah. They feel like rote actions. And I've been through seasons of my life of trying to do these spiritual disciplines where I didn't want to do them anymore because they felt like rote actions. Mm-hmm. There was a very dry season. Mm-hmm. And I got out of it, and I later regretted mm-hmm. that I got out of doing the, the regular routine. But my the most practical thing I can think of for people is set a goal. What is do you it, mean? What do you mean? So, like, give me an example. What, what the goal? Like the goal, like if— Again, we've already said that if if the if what we're commanded to do in Scripture is not to read Scripture but to meditate on it, you can't meditate on something you don't know. So you to know it, you need to read it or maybe even memorize it. 
So like there's a young lady's Bible study that mm-hmm. meets, and I know one of the goals they set for themselves is to memorize scripture. And so set a goal to memorize five verses over the next five months or set a goal to like um, we're as a church, we're doing a Bible reading plan, one chapter for five days a week to get through the whole New Testament in a year. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. Set that goal. And when you meet that goal, do it again next year. Just keep doing it. Uh, so like that's what I mean in setting a goal or like, uh, you know, Spencer, you mentioned like, are you setting aside, setting aside daily time with your family? to read the Bible and pray together, set that goal, Mm -hmm, make it your goal to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I would say, make sure it's not unrealistic goals. So if you're approaching this now and you're like, I've never really had my own private worship time. I haven't really read God's word. How I should, I know this or prayer. I wouldn't go into it saying, uh, my plan is to read 10 chapters a day, journal three pages, spend Mm -hmm. a half an hour in prayer. I'm going to knock this out seven days a week. No, you're not. I would say do realistic goals. So like the family worship side, I would encourage families, try to start at like two days a week. You know, well, number one, I would say, try to be here on Sunday as a family. Come come to worship on a Sunday as a, as a family and do that together. But then Monday through Saturday, try to do a goal of like, like I said, two days a week. We are going to read the Bible together, you know, whatever that is. Like, again, resources we have here. Scott talked about the kids material that they're using in Sunday school, how we have resources for that, for families to read together. Maybe it's that. Yeah, like, don't you don't have to go beating down doors two days a week. And maybe you do that for, I don't know, three months or four months, and then you set a new goal. Like, let's add another day to it, right? We've been doing it on Monday. We've been doing it on Friday. Let's add Wednesday now. So now on Wednesdays, we're going to try to do this also. And be real, again, being realistic of, of do look at your schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't set yourself up for failure. If you know that you have kids who play football and on Friday nights is the football game, don't say every Friday night we're going to have worship because you might not get home till 1130 mm. from the game that was away, right? And now you feel like a failure when you go to bed. Um, give yourself within your schedule and, and schedule it out. Well, Thursday's a better day and Tuesdays are a good day. So let's let's do that. Let's knock it out and then try to increase your goals from yeah. there. That's one of the things in the family discipleship class that, that I did uh, several months ago. Um, that's one of the, the exercises that we do in class is – Look at your schedule and think about when can we do this. And what I challenge them to is at least three times a week. I don't even say three nights a week. You could do it in the morning when you wake up. It doesn't matter. But if you look at your schedule and find that you don't even have three time slots a week that you could do this, that's when you need to start reevaluating your schedule because you're not able to make time for what is truly important. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you said makes sense. Yeah, utilize your schedule. There's not a specific format and time of day that you have to do it. Like, I mean, if we were to talk about extreme practicalities of like, well, how do you do this in your home, in your family? What my, what my, what I would explain is going to reflect a family with a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-month-old. And Scott. And Scott. Scott. <laughs> Believe it or not, and Scott. Right? And, like, that's what my schedule is going to reflect. So right. bedtime routine is set in stone usually, and it happens. And uh, But that might not be the same thing if you have teenagers at home, right? Uh, so it, it's going to fluctuate, but... What should remain consistent is that it happens, mm-hmm. and we do it, and it's yeah. prioritized. And there's a lot of good resources out there, too. I mean, when it comes to private worship, like we talked about journaling or whatever, but uh, Pastor Dave, I think, brought up uh, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening mm-hmm. Devotion book. Yeah. There's tons of that stuff out there. 
for me, what got me into private worship, right? I felt, I felt like this is something I need to do. I haven't been doing it when I was a teenager. And my now wife, who was my girlfriend then, bought me a uh, Bible that had devotions in it. And it, I can't remember how it was, but it was, you know, by day. And it had day one and all the way to the end, day whatever. And I just, I just did those. I did day one and day two. And, um, I tried to do them every, every day before, before I went to bed. And, you know, it gave me a little snippet of, of something. Sometimes it would be like, oh, this word, you know, that was in your reading today mm-hmm. means this. And, and, oh, that's interesting. And it, it piqued my interest, you know, in this. Uh, but there are, there's a lot of bad resources, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of, of good ones as well that can, that can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another one that I, uh, did for a long time. It's really famous, but I can't think of it right now. Daily bread. Was that it? No, oh. my utmost, what was the that? women of faith? Utmost, <laughs> utmost for his highest. Yeah. Who, who wrote that? Oswald Oswald Chambers. Chambers. Yeah, Oswald Chambers. Yeah, yeah. I did that one for, yeah, a, I did for too. a while yeah. and I thought that, you know, I was like, okay, but it just, it piqued interest, made me think about something that I, I wouldn't have otherwise sure. if I was just reading uh, a passage and, and it helped me to meditate then on things. And, mm-hmm. and then the one that I had had a place to write some stuff down. Mm-hmm. So I remember just mm-hmm. jot, jotting a few things down. They make the ESV Bibles, they make like the Bible this huge multiple book thing because they have uh, places to journal on the side or to write thoughts. It's, mm-hmm. it's expensive, uh, but it is out there. So, I mean, all kinds of resources that are available. And I'm not against the phone with that. Mm-hmm. You can schedule your phone to ding you at 8 o'clock or whatever in the morning to say, don't forget mm-hmm. to read the Bible today. Mm-hmm. Again, that's practical stuff that's just easy to do. And and we have it easier than many, many faithful Christians before us yep. with the accessibility of the Word of God and, mm-hmm. and good resources. And so we should be faithful, I think, to, to use them. Uh, mm-hmm. They know. even have the Minecraft Bible now. Minecraft. Kids, they have a Minecraft Bible. Wow. We saw it at the library. We checked it out. The kids loved it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was it like you build your own Bible? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm going to take oh, wow. out this. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm going to mine it for gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> your kids would like that, Spencer. Yeah, they probably would. Yeah. yeah. They probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to get on my daughter a little bit this week. She had to make a poster. She's on the volleyball team. She had to make a poster that they, girl, they, you know, they, they make all these posters and put them in the gym or whatever. And she put a Bible verse on there. I can't remember what it was. It was something about like working hard, you'll be rewarded or something along those lines. And I'm like, you know that that's out of context, right? And she's like, I knew you'd say that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> she, I was like, oh, at least you knew it. Yeah, <laughs> at least you noticed that's it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I was happy she put a Bible verse on it, be in the gym at least. <clears throat> yeah for everybody to there see there you go yeah <laughs> yeah that was a win I'll that's a that. win i'll take it yeah <laughs> Man, it wasn't the roman's road <laughs> yeah yeah at, le- at least it wasn't the one where i know the plans i have for you oh no, it wasn't that one it wasn't that one either no yeah yeah, yeah. she yeah. she knew at least to not do those <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yep yep but anyway so uh anything else spencer on private and family no. worship no I appreciate you doing that uh, this week. Uh, coming up this coming Sunday, the question that we're going to look at is why gather together? Uh, why gather together? Um, so I'm looking forward to studying that. Um, what's so important about the assembly of assembling and what is happening as we assemble? Uh, those are the things that we'll be be looking at. 
because it can seem odd to a lot of people. Why? Why even get together? Why not just zoom in so we can vote? So we can vote. Oh. Yeah. On what? That's why we get together so we can all vote, right? I mean, that's yeah. We vote one way. member out each week. <laughs> it's like Survivor. Yeah, Survivor. <laughs> that's a good show. <laughs> Our big brother was that. Yeah, thing. all those. Yeah, no, no. they'd yeah, vote him out. You've been I, voted I, out. I, okay, I probably am the lone one person here who despises all those shows. Yeah, I don't but. like him either. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks, Dave. I do not. Yeah. Because you'd lose. Oh. No, what's the reason? The only way to win is not play the game. <laughs> yeah, so. <that's> good call. <laughs> Bow out. No, if you don't play, you're still out a million dollars. I could see you on there. No, I the would lie, be horrible. Pastor Spencer, I'd be and you're horrible. trying to keep it a secret. You know what they had? <laughs> they had they had one season. As, they had a pastor, uh, right? No, I don't know. There was one season Survivor. called David and Goliath that they oh. did, and it was really interesting. Huh. They yeah. did have a pastor. I could on see one you of them. being on the David team. <laughs> Anyways, I would <laughs> go David. Go David. Yeah, David. ruddy and handsome. Hey. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, that's not what they consider David. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Hmm. Uh, okay. Sorry about that little jaunt. Yeah. Into the idol of TV. Yes. You guys all just back to back. Yeah, you know, <laughs> hey, that was, yeah, convicting. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening today. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you this coming Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, but in the meantime, we hope that you have a blessed week. God bless.